The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So greetings again. And this will be the last uh, of the five talks on Nibbana, Nirvana in Sanskrit. And uh, this is uh, kind of the ultimate goal of mindfulness practice as taught by the Buddha. Mindfulness practice is, is meant to be a onward leading practice where we get, we're led and supported onwards into some of the deepest potentials for freedom that a person can have. Freedom of the heart, freedom of the mind. Uh, one of the core definitions of Nibbana is release from all suffering. And the word all is important here. There can be a lot of kind of partial Nibbanas, partial freedoms that come along as things we've been troubled with for a long time get released. But the definitive experience in Nibbana is a generally a temporary experience but a temp- an experience which is a radical cessation of all suffering that catches our, catches our attention, takes our breath away almost. Wow, this is possible. And some people don't even understand the subtlety and the, the kind of the deep way in which suffering is embedded in the fabric of life until it really drops away. And wow, this is possible. It's a release from suffering. Uh, sometimes Nibbana is defined by uh, the, the f- psychological forces which are the cause for suffering and which are suffering themselves, uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. And Nibbana is defined as the release of those, the freedom from those, the cessation, the destruction of those. And, um, and this is not a blank slate uh, because Nibbana in the ancient India is strongly associated with positive, has positive associations. It has associated with health, is associated with happiness and well-being, and, um, and with peace. And so the experience in Nibbana, uh, the word Nibbana kind of means the going out, like going out of a fire. And think of it as going out of the f- fire of a fever, going out that the fever passes or br- breaks. And um, and then we have more health. It feels good finally, a relief, a sense of peace that that fever is gone. And um, the fever of greed, hate, and delusion. The um, the uh, it's more of an it's more. We often talk about it as an experience. I like to think of it as an event, because experience puts a little bit in personal terms, which is fine. But there's something about the freedom that comes with nibbana. This really, really deep release where it's not really so easy to take it in personal terms. It's kind of like almost a transpersonal experience or a beyond personal or a, it just kind of has the personal, we're kind of freed from the personal in a certain kind of delightful way. So it's an event that goes on. And it's an event that uh, involves this radical absence. And that absence, radical full absence of suffering or radical or full absence of greed, hate and delusion of clinging uh, has a big impact on a person who has it. And and so yesterday I talked about the function of it and how people are changed. And I want to talk a little bit more about that today. So this was kind of a review up to now. And um, 
And uh, so uh, Nibbana changes the person who experiences it. And um, and they, in, the, in the Buddhist tradition, uh, they say they become a noble person. And um, there's a kind of a, uh, a state shift that's strong enough. And what is that change? What, um, and um, the tradition will uh, d- uh, often describe it as uh, in relationship to the Eightfold Path. And um, with uh, the experience of Nibbana, or experiences on the way to Nibbana that are similitudes of it, uh, very similar, sometimes there's a, uh, you know, like um, traces or, or hints of Nibbana that we have along the way, that uh, in that um, in those events, something gets born inside of us. And the language of being born is used by the Buddha. And what is born is the Eightfold Path. Um, the other language is that one enters the current of the Eightfold Path. Uh, usually someone who's experienced the first uh, first experience of Nibbana is said to become a stream enterer, someone who's entered the stream. That's the usual English way of saying it. Sota, which is the word that's translated as stream, literally means current. And it means entering the current of a river. And it's a little bit important to appreciate that because uh, a current is what carries you uh, all the way to the ocean, if you know, in a, in you know, in the plains of India, and um, and so we're being carried to deeper and deeper, fuller experiences of uh, nibbana, of freedom. As long as we're in the river, there's some freedom, but the idea is when you come to the ocean, the fullness of water is in the ocean. The fullness of freedom is there. It's maybe the metaphor. And um, so to, it's one thing to be in a river. You might be in an eddy. You might be no current where you are. But to finally be in the current and feel you're being carried, and generally currents are peaceful, gentle, you know, in a big river. Uh, in the, over the rapids, they're not. But um, So you're kind of carried by this current. And so when the Buddha was asked, uh, when, when the Buddha was someone else was asked at the time of Buddha, when Sariputta, his disciple, what is the current that one enters? The, uh, Sariputta said, it's the current of the Eightfold Path. The Buddha himself also told, said that a person who has Nibbana, has this experience of real deep release, has, um, <clears throat> is now endowed or possesses the Eightfold Path. I like the idea of endowed with the Eightfold Path. So either something is born, something is endowed with, something we enter into the current and are carried by it, uh, it gives a very different idea of what the Eightfold Path is than it is when it's uh, instructed to someone who's a beginner. First comes the Buddhism and says, this is what you do. You do right view, right intention, right uh, action, right speech, right livelihood, right effort, right... Uh, Mindfulness and right concentration, and um, but uh, it said that with this, with nibbana, with a big enough release, all eight factors of the path are not steps along the way, but they're unified and become kind of who we are, or unified in such a full way that they're all there present together. And so, some people say that with with uh, nibbana. Eightfold path, the right of the, you know, 
each of these steps shouldn't be called right so much, but more maybe more complete or in harmony. Um, literally, the original word for samak means to everything going along with, to going along with the current, um, being in harmony with something. And what we're being in harmony with, what, what really opens up and why this Eightfold Path becomes something we possess, is that the freedom, the openness, the, 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 um, the sense of release from clinging and craving and attachments uh, from suffering becomes a, um, um, a, um, uh, then a person kind of naturally lives by the Eightfold Path. To live by, to not live by it, to live wrong view and wrong intention and wrong action and all these things requires some clinging and attachment and holding on. But when all that's gone, what comes out of that, the Buddha talked about uh, someone who has Nibbana has uh, virtue, has noble virtue. There's a sense of noble samadhi, noble wisdom that comes from that. There's a sense that we're now, there's a sense of integrity or a sense of place inside, a knowing inside of a kind of completeness, a kind of freedom, a kind of uh, um, absence of clinging that itself uh, protects us or teaches us or guides us to avoid uh, messing that up, uh, soiling it uh, with attachments and clinging and unethical behavior. And so... There's a reference point inside for being ethical, for being um, settled, for being free. And, um, and it's phenomenal to have this reference point. And uh, so in the Eightfold Path, as many of you know, it begins with right vision, or actually usually say right view. Someone who has the experience in Nibbana now has a vision of what is possible. And that vision is some degree, you know, it's a memory of how full that release is. But when the experience in Nibbana is full enough, that vision is kind of ever-present, available, ever, ever available in the present moment. This vision of freedom, the sense and feeling of, of release, of the cessation of, of suffering, of uh, freedom. And uh, it's that vision of that possibility, or that vision of that potential that sets this, uh, that um, creates the foundation for all the other parts of the Eightfold Path. So that's why the right vision, right view, is first on the path. And, um, and the, it seems that when the Buddha first was teaching the Eightfold Path, the Noble Eightfold Path, he was teaching it for people who had an experience of Nibbana. In fact, uh, it's been pointed out now by many people, including the ancient commentators, that the, well, they don't say, but that the expression uh, uh, noble eightfold path is not quite the right translation of the Pali, the original word wording of it. The original meaning is the, the eightfold path of the noble ones, the eightfold path of those who have some degree of freedom. And so we possess it, we're in the current of it, of the Eightfold Path. Um, and then someone who has the first experience from Nibbana, their task is then is to develop the Eightfold Path further. The Eightfold Path we developed before Nibbana, 
and, and they all eightfold factors, the eightfold path converge that said, um, unite for the experience of nibbana, uh, for the release, the letting go, for the for the uh, removing the fuel uh, that keeps suffering going, and uh, the fires of suffering going, and then once we have that experience, then. We know what it's kind of all about, and then we practice, Then we develop the eightfold path further. We develop our intention, our our ethics, our efforts, our mindfulness and concentration. In a sense, the practice is the same before and after nibbana, but after nibbana, there's a new reference point for it that gives us kind of unshakable confidence. We know what it's about. And in a kind of, I don't know, metaphoric way or, or a certain kind of symbolic way, uh, the tradition uh, sometimes will say that a person's practice begins with a significant enough experience of release, of freedom. And maybe that's true for some of you, that uh, you've had some degree of, of freedom, some degree of letting go, of some clinging, some holding, that has given you inspiration, given you enthusiasm for and a vision of what's possible that maybe can serve as a guide, as a support for your practice and what you're developing and growing. And uh, may you have experiences of Nibbana, whether it's kind of the traces of it that can happen along the way uh, or whether it's the full entering the stream and uh, and then may that stream carry you and may you be carried by it and carried by the Dharma and uh, to greater, greater freedom, greater and greater uh, freedom from suffering. It's a phenomenal path to be on and it's, um, it's uh, a t- tried and true path if you practice it, if you entrust yourself to it. And it doesn't work if you don't practice it. So, thank you, and uh, and uh, so the next uh, weeks for the se- seven a.m. in the morning meditation, uh, I'll go through the eightfold path, and um, so it's such an important topic. And for those of you here this week, you can keep in mind that as I give these teachings, that part of what we're talking about is um, uh, how to practice and the reference point for practice. Um, and, uh, or uh, with freedom as the guide or as the rationale or as the, the, the uh, source for the Eightfold Path. So thank you very much and uh, I look forward to our next time together and, and um, on Monday and may you be well and thank you. <laughs>